Welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson takes us through Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 20. These six items, a box, barricade, tape, feathers, a soldier, glasses, and hands, have something in common that illustrate a truth that is a great encouragement to all who are in Christ. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship, go to rfamarillo.org. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6 this morning. While you're turning there, I want to just show you a few items. First item is just a box, just a little kind of a Christmas box. This is some barricade caution tape. I had some feathers, freshly plucked, not really. It was interesting though, when I was driving up here uh, this morning, there were like thousands and thousands and thousands of geese kind of migrating, but I think they were confused. They were going east for a while and they circled, they started going west, they circled again, started going north. So I don't, they're directionally challenged, I guess, I don't know. Uh, but these are just some feathers. This is a little soldier, a little guard, if you will. Some unusually large glasses. And then a pair of hands. Very finely manicured, by the way. What do you think these six items have in common? Now, I'm not going to tell you yet. Just want you to think about that as we go through our text this morning. We'll come back and we'll address that a little bit later in the service. But with Christmas approaching, uh, we're more focused on Christ, on the birth of Christ. More people are, are talking about that and thinking about Christ and this whole story of the birth of Christ. So with that in mind, I want to focus this morning on the hope that we have in Christ. More specifically, the title is Hope Secure. Because not only do we have hope, but we have a secure hope, and our hope is secure. So let's walk through that a little bit this morning. Hebrews chapter 6, we'll pick it up in verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath, and God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled can take hold of the hope offered to us, and we may be greatly encouraged." We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I want to talk first just about hope and what that means when he talks about hope. Here in verse 17, it says that God wanted to make his unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. God wanted to make his purpose clear. So if that's true, what's God's purpose? Probably the best verse that capsulizes it is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the purpose of God, is to send his son so that we might have life. Verse 18 continues and said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the purpose of God is that of redemption and reconciliation. He wants to redeem us, to buy us back for himself. He wants to reconcile us into a relationship back with himself. That's his purpose. So with that tie in, we get to verse 18, and it says that some have fled to take hold of hope that's offered us. This word hope is in context of the purpose of God. The hope he's speaking about is our salvation, eternal life, the promise of everlasting life, the promise of this inheritance that we get to uh, enjoy because of Jesus Christ. It's said a variety of ways, but it's our salvation and the promise of eternity. 1 Peter 1.3 says, we've been given new birth to a living hope. Acts 24.15 says, I have the same hope that there will be a resurrection. Colossians 1.5 says that this hope is stored up in heaven. Titus 2.13 calls it a blessed hope and it's the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. So it's just a variety of ways of saying the hope is our salvation and the promise of everlasting life and an inheritance in God. But verse 18 says that this hope is offered to us. In other words, this hope is not payment for services rendered. It's not a reward for good behavior on our part. It's, it's a free gift that's just being offered to us. And it says that some have fled to take hold of it. The word fled's a great word picture of what happens really when a person gives their life to Christ and what's going on. The picture is we flee everything else. We flee our sin, we flee our pride, we, we flee ourselves. we flee everything to run and take hold of this one thing that's of greatest value. It's like the picture of the, of the parable of the pearl of great price, if you remember that, that this man finds this pearl of great price, so he sells everything else that he has that he thinks has value just to purchase this one pearl of great price. It's like what Paul says, I count everything as loss except to know Christ. That's the word picture here, that when we secure this hope and we give our life to Christ, we're, we're fleeing everything else and we're going to grab hold of and take hold of this one thing that we know is of greatest value. So it causes me to ask a quick question. Why would people flee for this hope? What's so significant about Jesus? What's so intriguing about this relationship that would spur me and cause me to want to flee everything else and just grab hold of that one thing. Well, we see it in this text. It's twofold. One, it's, it's the opportunity to be redeemed and reconciled to our creator, to be saved, to have life. Two, to have everlasting life, to have eternal life. And said a different way, it's to have life that is totally and completely secure. It's a hope secure. So let's talk about what that means here for a few minutes. I want to come at it from a variety of perspectives. I want to talk about hope secure from our Hebrews passage first. Then I want to look at some other passages in scripture that, talk, that give us a broader image of what hope secure looks like. And then I want to finish by just illustrating it for you so you can see something in your mind. Verse 13, 
says that God made a promise to Abraham and then he swore by himself. And we know what the promise to Abraham is. You're gonna have many descendants. So God made a promise to Abraham, but then it says he swore an oath, all right, on top of his promise. Then verse 17, he's, now he's talking to the heirs. Those are all of us who have given our life to Christ. To the heirs now, he gives a promise and he confirms that promise with an oath. Then we get to verse 18 and he talks about two unchangeable things. What are those two unchangeable things? Well, it's his promise and his oath. In other words, when God talks about this this promise, this oath, this salvation, this hope, not only has he promised us the inheritance and this everlasting hope, but then he comes alongside and he confirms it with an oath. Now, verse 16 references this, but back in the day, men would uh, swear an oath if they wanted to really confirm what they're saying, if they wanna really testify to the, to the veracity, to the solidarity of what they're saying, they would give an oath. And so they would say, hey, I'm gonna do X and I, I'm gonna do it. I promise I'm gonna do it. You can count on me and you, you can count on me. I'm, I'm, I swear an oath. And they would always swear an oath to someone greater than themselves. So for Jewish men, their typical oath was, as the Lord lives. And so if they're telling someone, I'm gonna do something, you can count on me, I promise, they would say, as the Lord lives. And that, would, that would tell that person, okay, he's serious and he's gonna be true to his word. Well, the passage here, when you get to verse 13, it says that God swears to himself now, why did God swear an oath to himself? It's because there's no one greater than him. See, the practice was to swear an oath to someone greater. God can't swear an oath to anyone greater, so he swears an oath to himself. So really what he's doing is he is guaranteeing that what he says is going to come true. Passage says it's impossible for God to lie. So you would think it would be enough for God to make a promise that this hope is secure because he can't lie, but he takes it a step further and says, you can count on this because now I swear an oath to myself that this hope is secure and you'll never lose it. And it comes through the relationship of Jesus Christ. He goes to verse 19 and he reinforces this statement for us. It says, we have this hope and it serves as an anchor for our soul. And this anchor is firm and secure. In other words, not only is our life abundant, not only is our life eternal, but now he's saying that this life is irrevocable. It is immovable. It is secure. That word firm means certain, means definite. And this word secure means binding. So what he's saying is this hope that I'm securing for you, it's a certainty and it is binding contract. And then he gives us this word picture of an anchor. It's an anchor for our soul. It's a great word picture again because we all know what an anchor is in the uses of a, of, a, of a boat. In the ancient days, these anchors, these ancient anchors were extremely heavy and on the end of them, they had these iron hooks so when they would drop that anchor down into the to sea, it would go flying down to the sea bottom. It would crash into the sea bottom and because of the weight in these hooks, it would dig down in that, into that sea bottom. And then if that ship moved at all, it kind of tightened it and it, those hooks would grab around big rocks and secure that boat from shipwreck and secure that boat from, from, from getting off course. It would hold it secure and firm. That's the word picture that he gives us. 
But in verse 19 and 20, it says that this anchor, the anchor for our soul, it enters into the inner sanctuary, into the holy of holies, where Jesus dwells, our eternal priest. Here's, here's the word picture. And this is a beautiful word picture about the security of our hope and our eternal life. If you have in your head this, this anchor from a boat that dives down in the sea bottom and grabs the sea bottom, now you shift it spiritually speaking. It says our anchor, the anchor for our soul, it's going to dive down into the holy of holies. But this anchor is held by two chains, the promise of God and the oath of God. And with the promise of God, the oath of God, this anchor dives into the holy of holies and it goes all the way to the throne of God where Jesus Christ himself grips this anchor and it's, it's gripped around Christ. So when we begin to move and, sh and shift, the anchor is held by Jesus Christ himself at the throne of God in the holy of holies by his promise and by his oath. What he's trying to say is our hope is irrevocable. It is immovable. It is secure. It can never be shipwrecked at all. Our salvation, our inheritance, our hope of eternal life is not only life altering today, but it's eternal and can't be taken away from us. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, maybe you're here and you're still in that seeking process and you're wanting to know why should I give my life to Christ? That's why. Because not only will he radically change your life today, but he'll give you a hope and a security and an inheritance that lasts for all of eternity in the presence of God. So our hope is secure. That's from our Hebrews 6 passage. Now let me broaden the picture because through scripture, there are several word pictures, several analogies that Scripture gives us to reinforce this concept that our hope is secure. So let's walk through some of those. Here's the first one. Our hope is secure because it's hidden. Our hope is hidden. I'm sure some of you probably have a hidden stash of something. When our boys were young, I had a hidden stash of candy because if I just left it in the cabinet, yeah, I never would get any. So I had this little hidden stash of candy that my boys didn't know about and they couldn't get to. Maybe you have a hidden stash. Maybe it's money that you've kind of hidden away for emergency. Maybe it's jewelry or something expensive. But in that hidden stash, it's something that's valuable to you that you don't want anybody else to get. You're trying to keep it safe. So it's hidden. That's the word picture that Scripture gives us. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when we give our life to Christ, he hides us in himself with Christ. In other words, it talks about this relational dynamic again with Christ. We're not hidden by ourselves; We're hidden with Christ, protected. Psalm 32, 7, the psalmist is speaking about God. and He says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. This word hiding place literally means secret place. God, you are my secret place, my little hiding place. When I was in youth ministry, there were times when uh, we'd all have the youth together and we'd play hide and seek in the church. 
And so we'd come at night, we'd turn off all the lights, you divide the youth group into two teams. So one team goes and hides and the other team's trying to find them. And you get points for the ones you find. You also get points if you're not found. And so it's just a fun game. But there were some of these guys, you would never find them. Their secret place was so hidden, you would never find them. You just have to call a time and blow a whistle and then everybody comes out. That's the word picture here, that God hides us in himself and he puts us in a place that we were unspeakable. The enemy cannot come to us and do any harm to us. It says he protects us from trouble. That word trouble means anguish or distress. It's speaking really primarily about the inside of us, internally, what he's doing, not necessarily externally. Now, it can apply externally. In other words, we know that God does protect us externally, that he does... uh, arrange circumstances, and he'll, he'll deal with those things in our outside circumstances to protect us. Probably when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised how many things God protected us from that we don't even know he protected us from. But this is speaking more about internally. In other words, even in those times when God doesn't change our external situation, even in the midst of maybe difficult externals, that he will come and he will protect us internally from anguish, from distress, from fear, from anxiety, from all these things that can begin to eat on the inside of us. So he may, he may protect us from something externally, but he'll always protect us from something internally. And it says he will surround us with songs of deliverance. That just means a spirit of joy, that even in the midst of whatever's going on in our life, he is able to inject in us a spirit of joy. Why? Because his presence and his protection. Here's a second word picture. Our hope is secure because we're sealed. In Ephesians 1.13, it says, you also were included with Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And having believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. How long? Until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. He says, we've been marked with a seal. We have been sealed. Our hope is secure because we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now this word has a variety of word pictures. The the most practical one that was used a lot in the context of the day of this writing was kind of like a a, a signet ring, governors, Caesar, other kings, rulers would use that, you know, with wax or something, they they would put their seal on a document and that seal identified that, that I've sealed this, don't open it. Nobody can open this except the person it's, it's sitting to. So this seal was, this is a secure document. But it has broader aspects too. It'd be kind of like, we've all seen crime scenes where they get this uh, you know, crime scene tape around and they put it around the crime scene. What are they doing? They are securing the crime scene so the wrong people don't go in. You see it in work areas, whether it's tape or maybe fenced off. It's a hard hat area. What are they doing? They're securing the work zone. Again, so the wrong people don't come in. You also see a seal used like in, in food containers when you buy stuff you know, from the store. It's got a seal on it and they'll even say, if the seal's broken, don't eat this because it's been contaminated. So this seal secures the food from contamination. Back in the day when you bought DVDs and CDs, you know, there'd be a a seal on that that you had to break. And if that seal was broken, you couldn't return it. Why? Because it's securing it from theft. 
So the seal is the idea of security. So what he's saying here is we are secure. Our salvation is secure because he has sealed us with his Holy Spirit. This Ephesians passage, for some reason, reminds me of a Stevie Wonder's song, 1970. Some of you remember this. Signed, sealed, delivered. Anybody remember that song? Here's just a couple of the words. It says, you've got my future in your hands. You set my soul on fire. That's why I know you're my heart's only desire. I'm signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. That's what Ephesians 1 says. Having believed, I signed on the dotted line. Having believed, I was marked with a seal. I'm sealed that guarantees my inheritance. I'm delivered and nothing is gonna stop that delivery from me enjoying the inheritance that God has guaranteed. So we're sealed. Third, my hope is secure because I'm sheltered. I'm, I'm covered, if you will. Psalm 91.4 says that God will cover, and that word actually means to shelter, God will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Now we've talked about birds a couple of times, so I'm not gonna belabor this point. But there are certain birds that use their wings and their feathers to protect their young. Maybe to protect them from the sun. It may be to protect them from predators. It may be simply to keep them warm. But that covering is a sign of protection. And that's the word picture that the psalmist uses of how God covers us and he protects us from those damaging forces and from those predators that would seek to take our life. Here's a fourth one. Our hope is secure because we are shielded. You could say guarded. 1 Peter 1.5 says that we, through our faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the, last, in the last time. We are shielded, how? By God's power. For how long? Well, it says until the ultimate salvation comes for eternity. In other words, it's secure. That word shielded literally means guarded. We are guarded. Now this word has a, a, a negative connotation and a positive connotation. The negative connotation is more like I commit a crime so I go to prison and now I'm being guarded so I don't escape. Or I've been kidnapped and so my kidnappers are guarding me so I don't escape. Or it's like a prisoner of war who's, who's captured. Now they're a, a POW and the enemy is guarding them so they don't escape. That's the negative connotation. But the context of this passage is the positive connotation and it's more like protective custody where someone's out to get me. Someone's trying to do me harm and so I've been taken into protective custody so that the guard can protect me from somebody doing something to me. That's the word here, that we are shielded, we are guarded, and how are we guarded? By God's omnipotent power. It's a great word picture. The fifth one is the concept of being watched. My hope is secure because I'm being watched. 1 John 5.18 says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin, and the one who was born of God speaking of Jesus Christ at this point, the one who born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. 
That word safe literally means to watch over. It means to observe. The word harm here is talking about being manhandled. So really what the passage is saying is God watches over us so that the enemy cannot manhandle us and take something from us. Psalm 121.4 says, he who watches over you will not slumber. When you put all this together, what that means is God is watching over us. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. So he never takes his eye off of us. There's never a moment when God is not having his eye on us. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes that can be a little intimidating. <laughs> it can be a little disturbing, actually. It can be a little convicting to know that God never takes his eye off of me. He sees every single thing that I do. But here's the cool part about this verse. The concept is not that God is watching me, but rather God is watching over me. Okay, he's not watching me to see what I do, just waiting to pounce when I make a mistake. He's not there making this big checklist of wrong. Okay, Daryl sinned 500 times a day. It's not this negative, I'm watching you to keep you. It's, it's totally opposite. It's I'm watching over you. It's a term of nurture. It's a term of love. It's a term of protection. It's a term of caring. He's always watching over us so that the enemy cannot advance. And here's the final word picture. Our hope is secure because we're held. We're gripped. John 10, 28 and 29 says, I give them eternal life. They never will perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My father, this is Jesus speaking, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hands. That word snatch means to steal. It means to carry off. It's another great word picture. I'm sure all of you have seen the videos uh, or at least heard the reports of these thieves that um, follow UPS trucks and FedEx trucks. So once they go up and they deliver the package on the porch and leave, they run up there and they steal the package off the porch. That's the word picture here, that somehow God's saved us and kind of put us in this place and then he kind of leaves, but then the thief and the enemy can come and he can steal that from us. God's saying, he can't do that because I have you gripped. You are gripped by my hand. I have you held. So anyone that's gonna try to come and take you, they have to rip you out of my hands. And God is the omnipotent one. And what he's saying is there is no one great enough to snatch you or to pull you or to steal you out of my hands. So you put all this together, you see why we can say that our hope is secure. Our salvation is secure. Our inheritance and the promise of eternity for all those who are in Christ is secure. Because on one dynamic, we have the promise of God and we have the oath of God that has anchored us in Christ. And then now we see that we have all these other word pictures that were hidden and that were sheltered and were sealed and were gripped and were watched. And all of this comes together to reinforce the fact that we are secure. So let me finish with the word picture, a little illustration. And I just want to say straight off here that this is the cheesiest illustration I've ever done in my life. I know that. I want you to know that. 
I've taken low budget theater to an all time low. Okay. The dollar store likes me, but I want you to see this, even though it's pretty cheesy. If you can see it, I, I think it'll cement this truth of really what this does, of how secure we are, all right? First, it says that we are hidden in God with Christ. So God hides us in himself. And then it says that we are sealed. So he hides us in himself and then he seals us with the mark of the Holy Spirit. And then it says he covers us with his wings and with his feathers. And then it says he shields us, he guards us and keeps the enemy away. And then it says that he continually watches over us so that no one can come take us. And then it says that he grips us and holds us in his hands. All of this comes together. And on top of that, it's anchored. All of this is anchored by his promise and by his oath down into the Holy of Holies, held at the throne of God by Jesus Christ himself. What he's talking about is a multi-layered security system. <laughs> he's promised us this multi-layered security system that you have to get through him and through his grip and through his shield and through his armor and through his power, through his spirit. You have to find me before you can harm me. And he's saying, your hope is secure. Why does the writer, <clears throat> excuse me, why does the writer say that? Why does he write this? Same reason I'm sharing it with you this morning. To verse 18 that you may be greatly encouraged. That you may be greatly encouraged. If you're in Christ this morning, you've given your life to Christ, I hope you're encouraged to know that your hope is secure for all of eternity. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.